0: Thanks for reading, Karen. I think you did a great job at especially capturing the grumbling of the Israelites there. Well, it's wonderful to uh, spend Christmas Eve with you all. Um, what a joy to have this time together. I'm glad you're all here, that you've all come. But I have a question, and that is, why did you come? What are you What are you expecting from this morning? I'm very glad you're here, but the question our passage forces us to ask is. Why did we come? What did we come for? In our passage today, there are, there are different reasons why people came to Jesus. Uh, and in our service this morning, there may be different reasons for coming along. So why did you come? Perhaps a revealing question might be, what would make today a success or a failure for you? What is Christmas to you? What are you hoping to get out of this? People come to church for all kinds of reasons, Uh, you know, a sense of permanence and tradition in a very fast-paced, transitory world, Uh, a sense of community in in a lonely world, the list goes on. So ask yourself, why have you attached yourself to Jesus, to church here this morning, to Christmas? Uh, today, as you'll notice from our graphic, we're continuing our series in the book of John, stepping through the seven signs uh, given in John's Gospel. Uh, the signs were given to show all who Jesus was that they might believe and be saved. And today's passage is the fourth sign. Uh, it's the little the little loaves of bread there in the middle. <laughs> Um, and um, it really is a, a, an interesting point in Jesus' life here on earth because he's really starting to become famous. So if you remember the first sign, the turning of the water into wine at the wedding, only a few people knew about that. But now momentum is really gathering. He's becoming a, a kind of a celebrity. Word is getting out. And, uh, he, you know, effectively there's like a roaming megachurch following him around, chasing him around the countryside. So have a look at verse 2. It says, uh, A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So there are thousands of people and they're following Jesus. Why? Because he's doing healings, miracles, because of the signs. Uh, we're told of what their motivation is outright. And that was that he was doing these tricks. They, they were here for the, for the show, uh, for a free lunch, as we will see. Uh, when I used to work in architecture, um, we would have these consultants come to our office and put on these presentations in our lunch hour, and uh, they'd put on this big free lunch. It was always quite a spread, and, uh, and you could have the lunch if you sat through their presentation. They were obviously hoping that we would use their products. And uh, I do remember one particular day, I, I'd eaten the lunch, and then I'm listening to them, and you know, it was not very relevant to me, and I thought to myself, could I just slip out? I really was just there for the lunch. Well, uh, the, the people, the crowds, according to John's Gospel, they came for the free feed, and it, uh, it really does display, you know, I don't want to be critical of them, but it displays an incredible lack of judgment because, you know, here they are talking to the God of the universe. Jesus is there, and he is offering them eternal life, and they're interested in a sandwich. Jesus will rebuke them later in uh, 627, 627. Six, chapter 6 verse 27 says, he, he said to them, don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life. Because if you're there for the signs, for the food, well when they go, when you've eaten it, when it goes stale, that's it. Rather Jesus says we should seek eternal food that will never perish and that's exactly why Jesus came and that's why he gave us this sign that we might have such food so let's have a look at our passage. We're going to look at it pretty simply, what happened, and then we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper after we've gone through it. So firstly, what happened? You can follow along in your little outline if you find that helpful, or there's some slides. Well, verse 3, we see uh, the basic setting. It's a mountainside, and the huge crowd have gathered, uh, 5,000 men, in fact, we are told. Uh, and just so you can imagine it, uh, that is about the capacity of the rod labor arena, uh, when you add in the kids and the children that would have been there, you know, about... Uh, Almost 15,000 for the Rod Laver arena. So just imagine that huge... That's how many people we're talking about. An incredible amount of people there. Only celebrities get crowds that big. Uh, And I wouldn't want to compare Jesus to Taylor Swift, but they're both celebrities. (laughs) The point is, it's a huge crowd. Um, The other thing that the Gospels uh, all point out is that according to verse 10, there was plenty of green grass. Uh, And in the context of Scripture as a whole... Uh, It makes us think of Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus is the shepherd, and these are his flock seeking food. So the people are on the uh, mountainside, but people eat uh, bread, not grass. And so Jesus looks to Philip and says, did you bring the food? It's kind of comical, right? Verse 5 recalls Jesus' question to him, where will we buy bread so people can eat? Philip may have well replied, why are you looking at me? Did you see me driving a catering truck? But, verse 6 says, Jesus asked this to test him. It's a test, uh, as in a way all of the Lord's requests of us are. Will we do it by our power or realize Jesus' power and rely on him? But Philip uh, effectively pulls out his iPhone, gets the calculator app, does some math and works out... Be about $50,000 to, 200 denarii today, uh, to give everyone just, a, just a bite of food, he says. That's the, that's the kind of amount of food we're gonna need, he works out. Uh, at this point, Andrew, another disciple, heightens the tension by saying in verse 9, he says, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And, uh, and the fish, I've always pictured like a fish, but the, it's actually probably closer to like a, quite a small, even like a kipper. some of the commentaries were saying, like a, effectively like a large sardine, like it's a small fish. Uh, and the loaves are probably more like bread rolls. Uh, and so Andrew was saying, well, this is a huge crowd of people. He's like, well, we could share this boy's lunch, is kind of what he's saying. But how ridiculous. He's really heightening the tension of the whole situation. But uh, Jesus says in verse 10, Have the people sit down. He gives thanks. And miraculously, the boys' lunch stretches. They all have their fill. In verse 13, they tidy up at the end, as was the custom. And there were 12 baskets full left. 12 baskets, one, one for every tribe of Israel. And so the basic meaning is, is pretty clear and simple, isn't it? Jesus can feed God's people. He can supply, sustain, fill and satisfy. But uh, let's uh, let's think about um, you know what happened before. You know what is the context of this event? You know as we think about some of the Old Testament events that Jesus' actions here are meant to connect us back to, and there are two kind of really clear ones. And the first is the Passover. The Passover mentioned in verse four. Did you notice it? It said, "Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near." And we're actually going to look at more uh, more of the significance of the Passover in John chapter six next time. We're in John chapter six, which will be Sunday week after after New Year's uh, Eve Sunday. <laughs> so in a couple of weeks, we'll um, we'll come back to this uh, the Passover and what that meant uh, as we look at the next miracle in John, the the walking of the water. But uh, but here. Uh, at the Passover meal, it relates to kind of this making of the food by Jesus uh, because in the Passover meal, you remember in the, in the Old Testament, you would, you would have the Passover meal, you would spread uh, the blood of the lamb on the door and then people would eat of the meal and then they would be saved because of that. And so it was, it was important that you ate the meal and, and that's what is drawn out in John. And that's very much the connection here with uh, the eating of the manna, uh, eating of the bread that Jesus made. Those who ate the meal would be saved. So um, in John's Gospel, you kind of have these two miracles. There's the, the feeding of the 5,000 and then the walking on water. And you have this teaching section where Jesus does a whole bunch of teaching. It's called the Bread of Life Discourse. And so he kind of explains a lot of the meaning in this miracle there. And so I'm, I'm going to read a few verses out. So you'll want to keep your finger. I don't know if it's on the next page, but we'll, we'll be going back and forward a little bit to the end of John chapter 6. So have a look at John chapter 6, verse 51. Jesus is explaining the miracle. John 6, verse 51 says, I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so without going to all the details, Jesus is like the Passover lamb. He's to be eaten. And those that take part in the meal will have eternal life. Now, I admit that's an odd image, eating Jesus. That's a bit weird. Um, and in fact, you uh, may know this, but an easy dig for the early Christians by their opponents was to call them cannibals. Cause, and then they would read something like this and they would see, they would say, see, look, they're, you know, they're cannibals. They're on about eating each other. Uh, but you'll be relieved to hear the feeding on Jesus is not literal. That would be weird. Uh, You feed on Jesus by believing in Him and living by Him and for Him. You feed on Jesus by being sustained by Him as Lord and Saviour. There's another aspect uh, to the Passover and to its meaning, uh, very much for the crowd. Uh, It's not really what Jesus had in mind, but it's certainly how many there misunderstood Him. For the Passover was a bit like a national holiday, the Jews. So, and historians tell us that it was a, a great coming together of the Israelites from all around uh, and it was a bit of a rallying point of uh, intense nationalistic zeal. It's like th- this was the, the great moment for them uh, where God rescued them and formed them into the Israelite nation. And for some Jews the, the Passover in, in this way stood for God kind of doing something miraculous to overthrow the rulers and set them free. And so when Jesus does this miracle, they all go wild. Uh, Did you notice their reaction there in verses 14 and 15? It says, When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This really is the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus knew that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And so that rather peaceful scene of the, of the sheep eating on the green pastures, the scene is transformed, and as we imagine, the fervor of this crowd, isn't it? Now it's more like a, a roaming guerrilla army, ready to go. 5,000 men, a fighting force. There they are with Jesus, their king, sustaining them. God was on their side. You can just imagine their cries, Down with the Romans! But it's not what Jesus had in mind. Uh, They had not come for the right reasons. They had not understood. Uh, And Jesus makes this clear a little later on that this is really not what it's about. Uh, Another key uh, Old Testament event, though, is the manna from heaven. And that was our Old Testament reading uh, that Karen read out for us. Jesus uh, says in chapter 6, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Uh, because there was another time when God's people gathered in a huge crowd, when they were isolated and without food, hungry and without hope. And there God provided them with bread, manna, bread rolls falling from heaven. God cared for them, led them, and they followed on the way to the promised land. And so there's many, uh, many parallels, isn't there, with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding with the manna. Uh, And so to tie up some of the loose uh, threads, let's uh, pull them together and consider why it all happened. Why this miracle here? Well, it's a sign that we might believe. And it's very fitting uh, that at Christmas we celebrate when God sent Jesus into the world to save it. Jesus came down to the world that we might be saved. And chapter 6 has got a lot of things coming down. Uh, 6... Uh, Five times, actually, explicitly, it talks about something coming down. Um, So look how Jesus describes himself in chapter 6, verse 41. He says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, just like the manna falling. You you see that, right? Christmas is the time when Jesus came down from heaven, born as a baby human. Uh, As we said, just like the manna, Jesus is God's gift of life given to us. Uh, And ever since Jesus came down, he said... Believe in me. Repent and believe, he says to the world. But the world says, no, we'd rather not. How can we trust you anyway? Show us a sign. Uh, And that's actually what uh, the crowd did to Jesus there uh, a little later on after that feeding. Jesus, he's just fed them, fed the 5,000 incredibly. And then the same people only a short time later, only a short distance away, say, show us a sign that we might believe. And uh, Jesus, he tells the crowd in uh, chapter 6, verse 29, believe in me. And in verse 30 of chapter 6, the crowd replies, saying, What sign then are you going to do that we may see and believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that astounding? Jesus feeds them on the hillside and just a short time later uh, they say, we're going to need some kind of sign if you want us to believe in you. Because to the unbelieving, no sign is ever enough, is it? God gives all enough evidence, enough signs, uh, but they will always ask for more because we are so slow to accept the ones he's already given we all, we all understandably want to see God at work, we want to have a, a personal relationship with God, we want to feel special, we want to have our own supernatural experience, uh, but the signs God tells us that He gives, they're not our own uh, personal special dreams or uh, visions or spooky encounters, whatever it is, rather the signs God says He will give us, He has in the sending of Jesus, the Son of God, to die for our sins. The other place uh, the New Testament says we can see God at work is uh, by the way, He changes the hearts of those He saves. You get that throughout the New Testament, don't you? We can expect to see hearts uh, change. Admittedly, it's a little more subjective than Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. Uh, But when God works in someone's heart, it is there to be seen that He is at work. Um, And you know, you think of this hungry, hungry crowd on the hillside there, and imagine their shouts of, Down with the Romans! And then they complained to Jesus, show us a sign. And Jesus had showed them a sign, hadn't he? And God would. Uh, for, for Jesus, he didn't overthrow the Romans that day as they wanted. And yet he turned history around when he changed the heart of the Roman emperor, Constantine. In what was one of the most uh, baffling moments in history, I think. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the history, but the Jews in Jesus' day were certainly being oppressed. And then for the early Christians, after Jesus, it got much worse. They, you know, they were thrown to the animals uh, in the Roman games and those kinds of things. And just when it couldn't get worse, God really does seem to have changed the heart of the Roman emperor, Constantine. And it turned, turned everything around. Um, and I, I have a little quote here from his uh, testimony. Here he's speaking about how God doesn't allow people to wander in the shadows, but uh, reveal salvation to them. And so Emperor Constantine said, I have experienced this in others and in myself, for I walked not in the way of righteousness, but the almighty God who sits in the court of heaven granted what I did not deserve. And it totally changed the tide of history that the Christians became went from being horribly persecuted to now they were um, you know, effectively favoured and all these laws turned around. It really did change the tide of history. Uh, that's ultimately why we have Christmas you know, you know, it's the year 2023 AD, which stands for uh, Anno Domini, the Latin. I'm probably saying that wrong. But the Anno Domini means in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Our whole culture was changed at that moment when Jesus changed the Roman emperor's heart. And so the crowd on the hill cried, down with Rome, show us a sign. And Jesus, he didn't bring down the Romans that day, but 300 years later... Also, the Roman Emperor had his heart changed, and Rome was no longer their enemy. Now it's a bit of a simplification of history, which is always complex. but the point is, Jesus does bring a victory, uh, but until he returns, it's not by the sword, rather it's by changing the hearts of those who believe in him. And his timing is often not what we want. That's the other thing we see in this passage. Uh, the question of, of the end of timing is, is where I want to end this talk. Because uh, as often as our passage talks about things coming down from heaven, it it also speaks of things going back up, uh, just not in the timing we may want. Uh, So for example, uh, chapter 6, verse 54 says, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so Jesus came down, The bread fell from heaven and we're supposed to eat the bread that he may raise us back up on the last day. Four times the phrase, raise him up on the last day, is said in chapter 6. And so the story is this. The bread came down, but the people said, show us something special. That isn't what we're looking for. I'm still hungry. And then the bread said, no, I'm it. I'm right here in front of you. Eat, believe, never hunger again. And for those who ate, for those who eat, he will take them back up to heaven to live nourished lives eternally with him. But to those who kept looking, who did not eat, well, they're still hungry, and you can meet them today. They're the ones searching, lacking, longing, incomplete, malnourished. They're looking for a sign, when the sign was given at Christmas, when God sent his son into the world to die, that all could live in him. So let me finish uh, where I started asking the question, why did you come today? There are many reasons people went to Jesus or go to church, but Jesus came to give us eternal life. And so the reason to come today is to receive eternal life from Jesus and to celebrate this new life together in him. Let me pray. Most merciful Father, Father, We celebrate your wonder and kindness this week as we remember that you sent Jesus down to save us, to show us that we could have life eternal in him and be raised up with him on the final day. And so Lord, give us the bread of life that we may feed on him, living for him, living by him and under him and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.